Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoREI.com. Today's podcast features Danny O'Bannon. Danny is the owner of Sell It Simple, one of the largest virtual wholesaling companies in the Northwest. He talks of growing up, negotiating, and how he got to where he is today. Danny O'Bannon, you, you're another local legend in the area. Wow, yeah. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I, I'll take it for sure. <laughs> By far the sexiest? Definitely, I am. <laughs> Can't argue that. <laughs> yeah, looking good. How you doing? Good, man. It's, it's good to be on here. This is cool. I know I'm, you've had some high-level people on here, so yeah, um, some good company. Well, I'm glad you're here. So, um, all right. So, Sell It Simple is your main business, right? You guys are doing quite a bit of wholesaling mostly. Yeah, man. So, Sell It Simple, um, that's the wholesale company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's like the core focus. Um, we have some other companies that we can get into as well. But Sell It Simple is, you know, we built out the wholesaling in. And so, that's, um, we do about 15 deals a month, anywhere from 10 to 15. Okay. That's and a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, and but we're in five markets, so you know that helps a little bit. Gotcha. All over the Northwest, right? So far, yeah. Yeah, we're in Tacoma, Tri-Cities, Spokane, um, North Idaho, and Boise. Nice. So, if you don't mind, take me way back. Way back, okay. Way back to high school days. What Did you think back in high school you would get into real estate someday? No, man, no way. So What were you doing? High school, I was kind of a, a wild kid. Um, I knew, I kind of got to a point where, you know, I knew I wanted to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we grew up in a single mom of six kids and that definitely shaped my childhood a little bit. Wow. So, oh, you have five siblings? Five siblings, yeah, man. Are you the uh, oldest, youngest? I'm the fourth. The fourth. Yeah. Okay. So you're kind of in the middle. Yep. Nice. Yeah, man. So that shaped me a little bit. I've always wanted to be successful because we weren't poor but we definitely struggled a little bit uh-huh and so um i had a friend whose dad was like a, you know at the time i didn't really know what he did but he was a day trader and so i just thought he like invested and i just you know i kind of learned early on that you can trade your time for dollars or you can leverage money right yeah so i wanted to learn investing somehow and i remember even in high school my mom bought me like a course for like a couple hundred bucks to learn like stocks and it was just such a basic course it didn't really get me anywhere oh okay but early was on, it like a course that you want to physically to no it's just like, it a, like an online course? online course yeah so wow. I'd, I'd get out of class at high school and i'd go home and um be in my mom's basement, just like studying, you know, trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, fortunately, my mom, she worked, she worked, I mean, seven days a week, all night, all day, weekends. And so she instilled in all of us just like a really hard work ethic, you know? So, mm-hmm. what kind of work was she doing? She owns a janitorial cleaning business. Nice. Okay. So she's an entrepreneur. She is, yeah, man. She, you know, she had no choice. Um, she just had to, to fend. So she just kind of fought and scrapped her way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to school, you know, try to figure out some scheme after school. Yeah. And then from like six to like eleven o'clock at night, I was actually cleaning buildings with her. Oh wow. Yeah. So. Okay. So you're a very busy kid. Yeah. So it kept me out of trouble. I mean, yeah. I was still getting in trouble, but it probably saved me a lot too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I had that mindset, and you know, in the beginning, it was like, if you want to be successful, you got to go to college, right? 
And so I was like, all right, well, if you have to get a degree, I'm just going to get two degrees and be twice as successful, you know, that's what I thought, <laughs> you know, so um, college took me a while just because I always wanted to work. So yeah. it took me like six years to get done. Graduated with a degree in finance and business management and a minor in economics. And then in college, I had a lawn mowing business, which was cool because at that time, podcasts had just kind of come out. Yeah. I didn't really know what it was. And so while I was mowing lawns, I would, you know, listen to podcasts and I was trying to find podcasts about, uh, you know, stocks so I could learn that. Yeah. And so I'm just searching through podcasts and I found podcasts on real estate. And that's how I, I found that, you know, real estate and wholesaling and investing. Do you remember what show that was? Um, it's by, it was by Joe McCall and okay. Sean Terry. Those are like the first two I ever listened to. Okay. I can't think of what they, Sean's is Flip 2 Freedom and Joe McCall's is like Real Estate Investing Mastery or something. Okay. Gotcha. And so I would just be, you know, I'd go to college, I'd get out, I'd go mow lawns for like six hours straight and I'd just be listening to podcasts, you know, learning as much as I could. And then from there, you know, I started joining Facebook groups and seeing kind of what people were doing. Yeah. People were posting, you know, wholesale checks for like 20 grand, you know, and I'm like 21 at the time. Like, whoa, you know, <laughs> if these people can do it, like, yeah. maybe I can, you know. So that's kind of how I got started and like found real estate mm -hmm. was through podcast. Um, it got to a point where it was like three months into it. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to learn anymore without actually trying to do it. So I got to start trying to do this, you know? So I finally just started trying to figure it out. I, I, I actually started with lease options, which is more of like a, it's more of like a technical strategy. So it's a little bit harder when you're new, you know? Yeah. So, well, do you, so do you remember the first thing you ended up doing? I mean, did you, did you do your own marketing immediately? Did you send out letters or did you start knocking doors? The very or? first thing I did was just go on Craigslist and call sellers. Okay. And the first deal I put together was a sandwich lease option. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah. So you basically get a seller to lease option you, their house, and mm -hmm. then you find a lease option buyer. Yep. And so if you're guaranteeing the seller like $400 a month, you're getting a lease option buyer that's guaranteeing you $800 a month. And they're giving you like an option deposit, right? Yeah. I had no clue what I was doing. Like I should not have been doing it. And I just made it work. And this, the buyer that I found didn't even have enough money for the option deposit. I think they were going to give me like six grand. So I even created a note for the six grand. And that was my first deal. Wow. And it fell apart like within like a month. And the sellers like ended up calling me saying that I was like a scam artist, you know. And I was like, I, am I? Like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. Like, this is just what I learned on a podcast. So did you forget to tell them up front what you were doing? I, I, I don't think I told them that I was going to like sublet it, you know. I okay. was like probably too scared. You know? Right. I mean, I had it disclosed in the contracts, but I definitely probably didn't explain it. Explain it thoroughly, right. you know. And so it scared me because I was like, "Man, I don't know what I'm doing." You know, this yeah. is this is crazy. And so then I was like, I knew about wholesaling, so I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna give that a shot." And so I had a, you know, at the time I had a credit card. I think the balance was like I had like a thousand dollars or something that I could spend. Mm -hmm. I bought a five hundred dollar course that said send yellow letters to absentee owners and I spent the rest of the 500 bucks on marketing just on a credit card or something like just a uh, mail marketing yeah just direct mail sending you know they call it yellow letters it's basically like a, a yeah. letter on a 
legal pad that you send out to sellers. Do you remember what, what you wrote on the legal pad or did you make copies? Or? You know, it was probably just like, hey, I want to buy your house at 123 Main Street. Give me a call. Okay. So you kept it real simple. Yeah. And that was a process because, you know, you're sending out these letters and you're getting these calls and you don't know what you're doing, right? Like you're talking to sellers and I'm feeling like an idiot. And after a couple months of doing that, I was definitely getting, you know, beat up about it. I was like, man, this, I don't know if this works. I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I should be doing this. And finally I had a deal where the seller's like, well, I mean, if you want to buy my house, you got to come see it. And I, I did not want to come, you know, like I made, I was like, all right. So I made an appointment. The, the day comes, you know, I have the appointment and I'm just thinking like, I shouldn't go. Like, I'm just going to yeah. make an, you know, an ass of myself. But I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go. I had a realtor send me like investment comps, like cash comps. Yeah. And so I went to the house. It's like your normal 50s rancher with the basement, like kind of bread and butter flip. And I just kind of walked with the seller, showed her the comps. And thankfully, I, you know, I just asked her, you know, based on these comps, you know, how much do you want for the house? And she was like, well, how about 50 grand? So I was like, okay. So I signed a contract right there. What year was this? This if was back in 2012. 2012, okay. Yep. Was 50 grand pretty low? It was a smoking deal, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was a good deal, yeah. I mean, obviously now it would be a great yeah. deal, but um, I didn't know it at the time. I had no idea. At the time, it was still a smoking deal. At the time, yeah, I, yeah at the time it was a good, great deal. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I didn't know that. I just thought, well, maybe I can get an investor to pay me like 55, you know? That's all yeah. I wanted to make right. was five grand. Because I didn't know what I had. That's what you're taught in the courses initially, right? You make five thousand per yeah. wholesale. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe ten if you're doing a million dollars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, it was funny as I even wrote down a hundred dollar earnest money, and I had to go borrow the earnest money from my brother-in-law, and then I drove it to her house, the seller's actual house, and gave her a hundred bucks <laughs> that I had to borrow from somebody because okay. I didn't know that you're supposed to deposit it with a title company, you know? Right. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, and then I, I. Leading up to that, I'd actually met Jake, who you had recently interviewed, Jacob Evans. Yeah, yeah. And I took him out to lunch and kind of picked his brain and found out what he was doing. So I just gave him a call and was like, hey, man, I have this house. You know, you would you want to come look at it? And so he looked at it. And, and again, I got lucky because I didn't say I wanted 55 grand. Yeah. I asked him, like, hey, what do you think you can pay? And he's like, oh, you know, I think I can pay 70. You know, inside I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> nice. And so it worked out, man. He paid he paid seventy grand and I made twenty grand and he went off he did like twelve grand in repairs and made like twenty five grand. So let's re- recap your negotiation skills here. Yeah. You you show up to this lady's house and you show her some comps and you ask her to give you a price. Right. She says fifty. And then you're like, Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there are some And good... then you go to another guy who's very experienced, how much would you pay? Yeah. And he gives you a number. So you're not you're not have, do you still use this strategy today? No, uh, yeah. Okay. No, not, yeah. <laughs> Seemed to work. Yeah, I mean it worked, you know, to an extent, but uh, what was funny is like I, you know, after the deal closed and I talked to Jake, he was like, you know, I probably would have paid more for that, you know. Like, <laughs> more than 70, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you make 20 grand on your first deal at 22 years old. Like, I was happy, you know. That's, that's got to feel good. And it gave me proof that, like, okay, this, you can do this, you know. This this really works, you know. Yeah. Which is what you need when you're getting started because you're trying to do it. You're failing and failing and you just keep pushing and pushing. So, to get that to get that first deal is always huge for any new newbie investor, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to the negotiation part, I mean, the good thing was, you know, the first person that says price loses, right? 
Mm-hmm. But you know, you could always push further, and you know, you know, if someone says fifty now, and I know I can do it, I'm gonna be like fifty. Ah, man, okay. You know, is that the best you can do? You know, so you, yeah. you, you, I've learned. I've come. come Everybody can always do a little better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but it worked. Even out. when they say this is my final offer, they right. can still probably do a little better. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so. So yeah, that propelled me into um, real estate. I did nine deals my first year, and then like the the ninth deal I took down as a flip, and that was a huge learning process. Um, I thought I didn't even know where I was going to come up with the the money to rehab it because I was living off the wholesale revenue, yeah, marketing off the wholesale revenue, and then I was going to flip this house and I have to pay. I only got a, a, a loan for the purchase, right? So I had to come up with the renovation. Well, so could we go back a little bit? I'm curious how, so when you, you got into it initially with marketing, um, and then, so how'd you, how'd you find Jacob Evans or? You know, so I found him on Craigslist. Okay. <laughs> he had like, Another I don't know box. what he had, he had some sort of post on Craigslist. And at the time I was like, wow, there's, there's people doing this. There's other people doing this in this market. You know, I had, I didn't think that the, this was like such a known thing, you know, at the yeah. time. So I was so shocked. So, so is he like your main buyer that whole first year or did you have like where'd you find other investors to wholesale deals to yeah so he he bought like a good handful of them okay um but you know i went started going to ria's meeting people um i would i mean i would just straight hustle though if i got a deal i remember i got a like a four unit and i put bandit signs out everywhere just saying i had a four unit for sale Mm -hmm. you know i put stuff on craigslist and so, you know, that's how I just did it in the beginning. You know, I didn't know okay. like all the ninja tricks to build a buyer's list, you know. So yeah. it was just like brute force of getting out there, meeting people and, you know, kind of the guerrilla marketing. So Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So first year you did nine deals and then what did your second year look like? Uh, you know, it just went up from there. Um, the, the thing that happened, though, was when I got that flip, I thought, okay, well, I'll just keep getting wholesale deals. I just believe that it would happen you know yeah but the problem was all my money was going into the rehab and all my time was going into it like yeah. i'd be there swinging a hammer doing demo you know like tearing off the roof yeah. i remember we were in the middle of winter like we were out there digging an egress window hole mm-hmm. we had like a flamethrower to like loosen up the ground so we could dig you know and that's what i was i didn't know yeah. you know i didn't know any better to like you didn't realize fix and flips suck oh it did no it took me a while to learn that for some reason so, took me a while too. Yeah, I'm still. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm still going through with those. But so yeah, so that took me off my game a little bit, and I actually ended up having to go back and get a job. Oh wow! And so I finally graduated high, uh, college because I was doing this in college, and um, I ended up getting a full time job. And I'd get off at three o'clock, and I would just work all night trying to find deals. Yeah. And within three months of having that job, I had made like double my annual salary in three months in wholesaling. So I was like, all right, I just quit and went right back into it full time. This is when you sold that flip or this was like a year. This is probably my second to third year in the business. Okay. Um, when I had to go back and get a job. Yeah. And then from there, I, I, after three months I was able to go back full time and then it was just like off and running, you know, I was just doing wholesale deals and okay. doing flips. Um, but before I built this strong wholesale company, you know, I kind of went back and forth. Like I was doing flips and I was doing wholesales. I was just trying to think like, what, what can I do here to make more money? And so I would just think like, well, if I wholesale deal and I make 15 grand, my buyer makes 30 grand, like, why don't I just buy 
all my deals and I'll make 45 grand. Like I'll make double, right? Yeah. And so that's when I learned that scaling a rehabbing business is hard. Like it's hard for me for two reasons. One, I, I suck at construction. I suck at managing contractors. Like I'm just, it's just not my thing. I'm just yeah. not good at that kind of stuff. And it's really capital intensive. And, you know, I would have, I'd buy like five rehabs, but I'd only have like one or two crews. So I'd be sitting on all these houses just waiting to get started, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of made a mess of the business for, for like a year and a half. And then I was like, all right, scaling a rehabbing company, that's, it's not impossible. Like people do it. You know, yeah. we have a speaker um, coming out to our area who does 30 flips a month. So, I, you know, it's definitely possible. It's just for me, I'm, I'm not good at that. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to try to scale a wholesaling company. And that's kind of what led me to where I'm at now, right? Where I'm, you know, we have a team, we're in five markets, we're doing multiple deals a month. But it took me, you know, a couple years. It's probably been, uh, probably about a year and a half, two years into trying to figure out like that model. Yeah. And that consisted of what I, what I did is I went all across the country to different masterminds and I met tons of people and I got to see what was possible and you know what they were doing and how they were doing it and then I just kind of took different pieces from different business models and molded it into what we have today okay so gotcha yeah so you never stopped like learning no did you so, so like annually you usually go to these conferences and stuff and different training events yeah man I will always be a part of some sort of mastermind <clears throat> um, I'll always be going on some sort of trip you know, because you're always learning. There's always ways to improve. The yep. market's always changing, right? Yep. And so strategies change in different markets. And so, you know, my job, especially now, you know, when you start a business, you're like, oh, I'm the CEO, right? You're really not. Like, you're an employee and you're, like, doing the day-to-day -day grind. But now, it's like it's – now I'm in a different spot where, like, I really am kind of a CEO of a company. And I have all these employees that, you know, have families and have kids and yeah. the success of the company is so important to so many people now. Yeah, you're extremely S responsible for these people's lives and Yeah, man. So I'm always for me it's so important to stay ahead of like the trend and, and, and where the market's going and, you know, different strategies work in different markets, right? So I'm just we're kinda of shifting all the time. And so yeah. I you know, I'm I'm a huge proponent of, ed of education and for me I'm not a patient person. So I want to learn something as quick as possible. So like a lot of people might say, oh, I don't want to spend, you know, whatever, however much it costs, 10 grand to go to some event or be a part of a mastermind. But like, what's well, 10 grand, that's one deal, right? And you can learn something that's going to mm -hmm. do, you, you can do for the rest of your life that's going to make you money, you know? So I think education is, is crucial. It's a great investment. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, investing in yourself, you know, 100%. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So what... um. I, and you have a rental portfolio as well, right? I do, you know. Um, did you build that up over time a little bit here and there? Or did you, like, go all in one day? Or what What does that look like? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I wish I would have put more emphasis on that. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was just I wanted to build up capital and build up, like, a team and scale and get things running and then kind of focus on it. So, you know, over the years, I have... I had a four unit that, you know, your brother actually worked on. So oh, know, I remember that, property, that one, yeah. Which I'm kicking myself forever selling. You know, it's such a, such a good deal. Like, yeah, you right got a now, fourplex. Like, wasn't it under 100 grand? I bought it for like 100 grand, yeah. And it was like a 1970s, like, yeah, built Yeah, that seemed like an insane deal. Yeah, I mean, now, <laughs> I can you imagine now, you know? Like, yeah. that would be like probably 300 grand, you know? 
So, yeah, so I built up some rentals. Um, I have a couple duplexes, a few single families. Um, and, and so we do a little bit with Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. And then we have tenants um, in, in some of them. So nice. it just depends. But um, so I kind of testing out the Airbnb model. I haven't even been doing it a year. Me neither. I, so, I have a couple right now, and yeah. we're, we're very new to it. We just started this year. Yeah. But it's, we like it so far. It's been it's pretty autopilot-y. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was telling, I was joking the other day, like, I don't even know how to log into my Airbnb account. You know, like, I have somebody <laughs> in my office that manages it. Yeah. She, she, she's a killer. She does a great job. And so, you know, in the beginning, it was really good. I have, so, for example, I have a duplex that would rent 1300 a side, so 2600 a month. Yeah. And we bring in about five grand a month. Nice. So almost, you know, basically double, right? Right. Um, and you don't have the risk of tenants, you know. Obviously, they're trying to pass different landlord-tenant laws right now to make it harder on the landlord. Right. Because you're on the tenant. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of the risk of having, like, a long-term tenant where if you have, like, an Airbnb, you know, you don't have to worry about, like, an eviction, right? Or really? somebody not paying you. Airbnb, it's, like, guaranteed money. You know, if they screw something up, Airbnb is going to, like, cover it. You just dispute through them. So I, I like it for that reason. Um, I'm just learning, you know. Well, what what happens if they stay past their due date <laughs> where they have to leave? Like, if they if they rent for the weekend and they just stay there, do, are they trespassing at that point? Could you just get the cops to come and take That's them That's a good question. Uh, you know, I'd, ha- I'd have to ask. Alicia manages that. I mean, we've had that happen. Have you? Um, thankfully, oh. we didn't have like somebody booked like that day mm-hmm. and she just, I mean, she just told us, Hey, we're staying an extra day. Like how much you want me to charge you or how, you know, how much you want me to pay you? And it wasn't an issue. I've never had anybody like try to just stay in squad. I mean, I okay. guess that's kind of an interesting, I don't know how that would play out, but yeah, I think the good thing I is I saw it on Silicon Valley once. Did it? <laughs> so, so it's happened. I had an episode about that, but so it's happened. Okay. No, yeah. it, it was a fictional oh, show. Oh, Silicon Valley, the show. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know how that would play out, but um, so far, you know, it's been a good strategy. We have one, another one up by Gonzaga, just like a little bit north of it. Okay. And so that one is doing pretty decent. Like we're getting, we're not getting double rent. We're getting like right. a little bit above what we get rent. So it's like, you're kind of weighing that like, well, I had to spend 12 grand to furnish it, right? So mm-hmm. how much is it worth it? So I'm, I'm still learning right now. We're still getting the data back on that. I think... You know, I talked to somebody recently who bought one in um, Scottsdale. He's local to Spokane. He seems to be doing really well with that. So I think location, obviously, is just really huge with Airbnb, you know? Yeah. Buying them, like, Scottsdale is necessarily... I mean, it's seasonal in some regard because it gets, like, super hot during the summers. Mm -hmm. But, like, Spokane is kind of seasonal. But at the same time, we get people that are renting it out that are coming from all different types of reasons. I mean, they're coming for work, weddings... You know, their kids, gymnastics. So we're still getting clients, you know, or bookings in the winter. So it's, it hasn't been too bad yet. So Nice. Yeah. Okay. So um, so now, so you're about eight years in now, full-time real estate? Yep. Investor? Yep. Can you tell us about the best deal you've ever done and what that looked like? All the goodies? Yeah, man. I, you know, I would say... Can you think of, like, do you have one that comes to mind immediately? Best Best deal you ever did? You know, it's funny because, like, we talk about this in the office. Like, the, the deals you make the most on, for some reason, are, like, the easiest deals. And the deals where you make, like, your pension, you make, like, ten grand, yeah. are, like, the hardest deals, you know? Yeah. I don't know why that is. But, you know, for it's me... It's always that way. 
I've had a couple of big swings wholesaling um, in Spokane where, you know, I've made like, in the one I made 52, the other one I made like 47 grand. Mm-hmm. And there were deals, one I had to follow up with for like a year, you know, yeah. I was just constantly following up and building rapport. Um, and then the other one, lead came in the system, locked it up like probably within, I probably spent like 10 minutes on the phone with this guy, you know, mm-hmm. got under contract and sold it right away, like had a bidding war on the property and made 57 grand or something like that, right? Somewhere in the, like 52, I think maybe 53. And so, nice. you know, I'd say those are my best deals, like wholesaling wise. Um, How about rental wise? Rental wise, um, I bought, I, I have those two duplexes. And so this is similar, like you, you talked about doing a, a deal similar to this where, um, you know, you buy it with hard money, mm-hmm. you, you know, you spend a lot of time fixing it up, you get it all leased up, and then you go to a bank to refinance, right? So yeah. I did that on two different duplexes when I got them both fixed up, leased up. Um, I went to a local bank, got it refinanced. So they did one loan for both the properties. Okay. And they gave me a 3.79 interest rate, which is like, you know, free so money. So is this like a commercial loan or is this? It's a portfolio loan. So portfolio it's a loan, loan that they keep in house. Which bank was this? Numerica. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, did and they, what kind of, do you mind if I ask, did they do like a, what, what kind of loan was it um, as far as calculating your income? Did they use your bank statements or did they use your tax returns? They had me fill out a financial disclosure, uh-huh. but they went off, they went off like the properties, okay. the income that can support it. So, I mean, they did check my credit. They did look at like, I had to fill out financials, like basically say, you know, send them like P&Ls and like company tax returns and stuff. But they more were looking at, okay, what is what can this thing rent for? One of them was the, the Airbnb, so I had to send them like financial disclosures from Airbnb. Yeah. Which was cool. I mean, it was bringing in five grand a month. Like, it's, it's just a no-brainer for them, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it was like 75% loan to value. Okay. But they let me pull some cash out, so I was able to pull like 110000 out on both, which is tax-free money, right? Yeah. So what, uh, could you backtrack then? What, what did you buy both properties for, and then how much money did you put into them? Yeah, so I bought one for one sixty, put like twelve grand into it. Okay. And that thing I think valued at like two fifty maybe. Wow. Okay. So um, you got about seventy five thousand in equity on that one. Yep. And then I bought another one for one fifty three. Okay. And I, I, I think including the Airbnb like furniture and stuff, I think I put like eighty three thousand into it, including furnishing it. Yeah. Which furnishing is usually like ten to fifteen grand a unit. Okay. What I what I'm experiencing. Um, and so, and that one, man, I, I can't remember what that valued at, like probably close to 300. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So they were, they okay. Were so you had decent e- equity in. Yeah. So, and then, so, and then you, so you got a loan for 75% of what the appraised value of each one was. Correct. Yeah. And, um, and then any extra money. So, so when you got a hard money loan, um, did you get almost the full amount? Of hard money, or did you have to put all of your own cash into these? Yeah, so no, so I on one of them, I had I had a, a lender who will, well, both lenders would have funded purchase and renovation. Um, at the time, I just didn't need it on the other one, or didn't okay. think I needed it. Uh, I wish I would have got it because it ended up being you know more renovation than I thought, and then I ended up buying other properties, and so it was like 
you know, it was it was a tough pro. It was like a, it sucked a lot of capital. I mean, I had yeah. eighty grand tied up in one of my capital, and the other one, the guy funded. Yeah, I don't even think he funded the the renovation on that one actually, but on that one he he let the interest accrue. Uh huh. So I didn't have any interest payments, and so I could rent. It was rented like. The so you didn't have any like payments that you had to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is nice, you know. You don't. I love when you can make interest accrue. With the hard money, you know? Okay. Yeah. And then how much, so how much total money in, out of your pocket, would you say you put in before you got money out? Um, I, I was probably close to 100. Close to 100, and then you got over 100 back? Yeah, I got, I got like 114 or something. Okay. So, so essentially, you got two duplexes that are cash flowing great. 100%, yeah. How much would you guess the net cash flow is if you just had to guess on an average month? Between you know, the it's probably them. like just oh, like forty four hundred bucks. Forty four hundred, which is more than the average income of most people. Yeah. And, you know, so, so for me, this like, is pretty I'm just, good. Yeah, you know, I'm just, and that's that's it's probably closer to like four grand now that I think about it, um, but for me like I'm I'm just trying to build that up and build that up and not even look at it you know yeah and just live off of like the daily grind money and get to a point where you know you're bringing in 20 you know 30 grand a month yeah but if people can put I mean if people haven't wrapped their minds around this yet those who that are listening For so you sure. basically so I'm sure there was a lot of work right yeah did you were you in there swinging hammers though no no but you had to coordinate these deals you did them you got your money back, plus another fourteen thousand. So the bank gave you fourteen thousand dollars, in addition to all your money back. And you're making about an excess of another forty-eight thousand a year. Yeah. So um, that's just two duplexes. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Most people can live on that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, for it's me, like it's life-changing like life-changing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about for you, but for a lot of people, that would, I mean, that would just put them financially independent right there. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even really pay attention to it until I, I refinanced. And then, you know, I, I do like a monthly book review with my bookkeeper. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, bringing oh, in cool. that much a month, you know, yeah. like, that's, that's awesome. But, you know, that's the power of, like, building up your cash flow. I mean, in the beginning, you know, that's why, for me, it's like, I'm, you get a little bit jaded when you've been in real estate for eight years, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm netting, like, you know, close to four grand a month. But you've won vacancy, right? And yeah. you're not netting that. So if you... So you don't count on it, but it is nice. Yeah, so if you're, like, trying to live off that, it's a little scary. And, you know, that's why right. I, my, my, my thought's like, okay, I need to get this up to, you know, 10, 20 grand you know, mm-hmm. here, but it, it, it is cool, you know, I mean, the thing about, like, flipping houses is, like, that's, it's the constant, it's like a day job, right, like, it's a constant grind, but, like, the rental income, like, that's always going to be there, you know, there's, of course, you're going to have vacancies here and there, but hopefully you get to a point where you have enough units to where it covers itself, you know? Yeah, I mean, eventually those mortgages are going to get paid off, and you'll, you're going to cash flow even more, Yeah. and eventually you're going to have to put more work into the properties to maintain them over time. Yeah. No, in your, um, do you always, on your rentals, do you uh, save away a little bit of money for maintenance over time and keep that separate? Oh, yeah. I don't even touch that money. Like, okay. That money comes in. So, like, the way that I set it up, 
is I have a complete different, like an entity and a bank account for the wholesaling company, an entity and a bank account for the rehabbing company, an entity and a bank account for the rentals. Okay. So I don't even pay attention to, I mean, I, I, once a month I'm looking at that with my bookkeeper, but I don't touch that money. You know, that's just there. If we have maintenance repairs, you know, we'll do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't even pay attention to it, you know. So you meet with your bookkeeper once a month? I do, yeah. So she, I, you know, that's, that's uh, like I, I was telling you before we started, like I'm, I'm really good at just, like just, I'm a visionary and I just drive forward and then mm -hmm. I create this mess behind me, you know, of like you hire money, people to clean up. expenses <laughs> and, you know. So I went through a bunch of different bookkeepers and finally found just an absolute killer. And she's just been, she's really changed like my whole business for me in terms of being able to know where I'm at. And so once a month, um, we just did it actually a couple of days ago. We go through every single company. Mm -hmm. We go through the P&L. We go through the balance sheet. I'm looking at expenses, like writing down, like, okay, what, where did that expense come from? You know, like that. And, yeah. and making sure, you know, because now, you know, especially when you have employees and you have other people that are, you know, have like a debit card or something, you know, you want to make sure you're tracking what's going on, you know, trust and verify kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's been a huge game changer for me. Okay. So, um, for the people out there listening that really want to be you, they want to be a Danny O'Bannon and dress as well as you and run a business like yours. <laughs> um, what, what kind of recommendations would you, would you give those people who are going to start building those blocks? Um, what, what not to do, what to do? Yeah. You know, I would say just be patient. You're going to fail, but just be open to that. Um, mm -hmm. and just be willing to put yourself out there. Like if there's something that scares you, you know, absolutely go and do that. Um, if it's, you know, I can, if we want to talk like, if I get advice on like how to find your first deal, you know, if that's kind of what you're referring to, I can kind of speak on that, you know, but in terms of like, well, I mean, any kind of general advice that you would immediately, if somebody wanted to be you and be in your shoes someday and have this massive business with employees and, um, and really grow the wholesaling business up on a pedestal like yours, what that, that's the kind of advice I'm curious about. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good question. Because um, I think anybody can YouTube how to wholesale a deal. Right, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I think what I would have done earlier on is I, 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 I got myself out there, I started learning, and then I kind of got jaded towards the education side of the business because there's so many gurus out there and there's yeah. so many people that are just trying to like make money and they really don't offer value and that kind of jaded me a little bit and so I, I i kind of kept to myself and just did one thing which is really good i mean you want to do one thing and master it yeah but what propelled me is joining masterminds and getting out there and, and traveling the country and like seeing how other businesses are you know implementing their stuff because then you grow and like i talked about before like having a coach or somebody that can teach you it's like you know, LeBron James has like probably 10 different coaches in his life, right? And he's the best basketball player in the world. So, yeah. you know, me as a dumb kid at 22, why wouldn't I have somebody who could mentor me and show me, you know, how to do this at a high level? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if it's just something you're pretty serious about, I would invest in yourself, invest in your education, and then just build one block at a time. So, you know, you start your marketing, you start searching for deals, and you start making money, you get more leads coming in, 
you're at a point where like you're expand like you're doing all the work to where you can you you can you're about to burst like you can't do any more of the work then you bring somebody on you know for me my first hire was more of an assistant mm-hmm. a lot of people say you know your first hire should be somebody for acquisitions I, I don't really agree with that I think it you know I think acquisitions is like the lifeblood of a business you know yeah. going out putting deals together is the number one thing that you should be focusing on and you know to just be in the business like 12 months and then be, hire some random person and you haven't even been doing it that long. You know, you need to get really, really good at that before you hire somebody. So if you can hire yeah. an assistant to do like the, you know, like the the work that takes you away from like the 80% highest. of the admin work uh, and marketing and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you ever read um, the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book? No, because no, that no. that also has a lot to do with just building any kind of business. Okay, um, yeah. it, it's, wholesaling you you can take a lot with that, but they also they have a uh, an org chart, um, like a recommended hiring um, uh, guideline, and mm-hmm. they, yeah, they start off. You want to have an assistant first, okay. and everybody in real estate sales they want to have a buyer's agent first. Yeah, they want somebody else on their sales team, but no, they really recommend. Get that admin because eighty percent of what you're doing is admin work anyway. Yeah, yeah. Get them and then get a transaction coordinator, so another person in admin, and then you can finally get a buyer's agent once you have enough income. One hundred percent. Focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. But I would imagine it's similar. That that's industry. how it was for me. I mean, I've always it's weird now because I've spent so much time like in acquisitions and in the weeds of my business, and now that I have like really dialed in employees in each department. I mean, we're departmentalized now. I mean, we have an acquisitions department where we're just firing away every day. We get some, some days we get a hundred leads in the door and these guys are just killing it. You know, they're all crushing it, following up, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, putting deals together. And so I'm not really in that the day to day. So now I have to learn, you know, how to truly be like a real leader and a real CEO and have more of like a top down vision. So it's, it's, interesting being in that point because like yesterday I spent my entire day like in meetings <laughs> with yeah. different departments yeah. you know it's like it's weird productivity because like you're so used to just like the, the grind of like being in the weeds and so when you're just like meeting with people and you know leading them or watching them you know be leaders within the company it's it's a it's a cool thing to to see so nice do you have any future plans for replacing yourself that way you can go off and do other businesses absolutely like for me, you know, it, it doesn't stop with, you know, what we're doing now. I mean, that was the whole point of scaling. Yeah. It's like, you know, you want to get yourself, you know, in the beginning you're doing acquisition dispositions, transaction coordination, and it's like you kind of slowly give that away. Now it's to the point where, you know, my my goal is I have an operations manager. I would love to have a COO, somebody who can really run the business. Yep. Um, meet with, like right now I, I have direct reports in each department mm-hmm. that I meet with. Um, but it, you know, it would be nice to just have one person that I'm, that I'm meeting with and they're meeting with all the direct reports. Um, that's kind of where we're going this year. And then for me, you know, I want to get into just doing bigger deals. We're doing a lot more, um, you know, getting land deals under contract. Um, and we're just seeing the value in that. I mean, yeah. wholesaling to developers has been a huge niche that we're kind of jumping into, but really okay. ideally I want to actually be the developer. Um, so that I'm looking at different things. I mean, it's tough for me because I'm a visionary, so there's like, you know, I want to get into like multifamily value-add apartments, you know, I want to get into development, um, build out, you know, a rental portfolio. So it's just really trying to, you know, I'm, I'm going to events, I told you I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow yeah. to St. Louis and then Florida, and so that, a lot of that is for me to 
you know, just network with people that are doing stuff like that mm-hmm. and kind of pick which niche I want to go after. Yeah. But, you know, it's something so many that hours I've been trying to do for <laughs> years, but, you know, I've been saying I'm going to, oh, do the, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, but I realized, like, okay, I need to be a little patient, build out this one thing, get it running, get it, you know, be in a weld machine, and then go off and do some more stuff. So that's kind of the next 12, 12 months is, is what I'm looking at doing now. Awesome. Yeah, I've always aspired to do the exact same thing in the real estate world, or real estate sales world. I've got the, got our admin, we've got our sales team, and I'm almost at the point where I can start working on other side businesses that all kind of relate yeah. to the business. And it's just, it's amazing when you have the right team in place, how much you don't have to be there. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's weird. because they could just take care of it. If they're yeah. rock stars. You know? Yeah, and it's cool. It's cool to see people just in, as invested in like the growth of the company as you are. You know. Yeah. So I have great, talented people, and it's allowing me to be more free to go off and, and do stuff like that. So, I mean, we do have another company called Call to Scale. We do um, cold calling services. We built a call center out in the Philippines. Oh, really? And so we have probably, gosh, I, I don't even know how many agents I'd have to ask Nathan, like maybe 15 Philippine, Filipino agents. And then we uh-huh. have a manager that does all the hiring, the training, the quality assurance. And then what we, because we built that for our own company, yeah. And it was so successful that we're like, wow, we could do this for other investors across the country. So, we, um, so other investors that are doing what we do, like that want to add the cold call marketing channel to, to their, you know, to their marketing. Yep. We'll do the cold calling for them. So. Wow. So we have that company. Um, I've heard of somebody else doing this. Yeah. Um, I heard it on a podcast. I can't remember the name, but that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, there's a few out there. Um, I just know, you know, what works for us. And, you know, it, for us, direct mail used to be our number one marketing source, but it's yeah. so expensive. It and is. So Yeah, you were spending tons of money. Tons of money. How much were you spending a month at one point? You know, <laughs> there was months where I'd probably spend like 30 grand yeah. on direct mail. But, you know, we... But well, you got a return. 100%. Like direct mail, you can get, you know, like a 3 to 4x return. Mm-hmm. But cold calling, you can get like a 10x return. Okay. So gotcha. That so we built that out and it worked yep. for us and so we have that company so um, that's that is another company that we we're working on but um, you know a lot of my vision is more you know direct real estate related or um, you know mostly I would say real estate related for sure. Are you still doing any direct mail or did you give all that up? No, you know we we'll, we do some but it's on a lot smaller scale. Okay. A lot more like laser focused. A lot more targeted, yeah. Yeah. So do you mind sharing who you target in your direct mail? Or do you want to keep that a secret? No, it's really no <laughs> secret. You know, I'm, I'm always happy to share anything. Um, you know, for us, what we did is we just stacked our list. So, you know, there's like, you think about the type of list you can pull in direct mail. So you can pull like absentee owner, owner-occupied, you know, um, whatever driving for dollars like you can yeah. combine all those lists like evictions probate right so there's all those different types of lists so we we pull those lists constantly we're updating them and then we have um, uh, a software that just we combine it all into one and then it tells us if there's an address on I think lately it's been like three or four or more lists then we'll send them a letter okay so it's a lot more targeted like okay they're not only are they going through probate, but they're also behind on their taxes, and, and it's also a vacant house, right? Right. So it's like there's a lot of pain points there. 
There's yeah. no motivation there. They so, have to sell. Right. Like, you know, there's <laughs> a lot going on. <laughs> So, they're not just gonna if they respond, they're not gonna be like, oh yeah, I just you know I'm thinking about it. <laughs> right, right. Like, <laughs> they're like, like help. Yeah. They're like oh gosh, this godsend. But that's actually that's pretty smart. Condense your list. Yeah, you know, yeah. for us it makes sense, especially when now that we're in five markets. Mm-hmm. If we were to be mailing like I used to mail, I mean that'd be we'd be spending well over six figures just on direct mail, you know. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So what's next for you? Man, um, you know, like I said, so we're Find just, a replacement. <laughs> you know, just, uh, it's not going to happen overnight. Like, I'm not right. a patient person, but um, it, we're, we're getting to a point where, like, the company's going really strong. Um, it's, 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 you know, like, I'll probably go back to the office and, and, you know, they'll be like, oh, I just locked up another deal, you know? Like, it's... Yeah. So... That's um, awesome. But, yeah, that's what's next for me, man, is just getting this thing systemized and then focusing on my, my next niche which is going to be, you know, bigger deals. Yeah. You know, whether it's development, multifamily, um, value-add apartments. Um, you know, that's kind of the direction I'm going down right now. So. Cool. And uh, and you just started a new um, meetup group. We Do did. you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So we meet, um, we meet monthly. Um, I think it's the second Thursday yes. of every month. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd love to be there, but I'm, we're doing our Sandpoint meeting the second Thursday of each month. But man, so I think a couple my assistant um, showed up to your okay, yeah, yeah, last meeting. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, we have a big, big meeting coming up. This guy uh, he does thirty deals a month, thirty flips a month. Yeah, it's nuts. And so we're trying to pack the place. We're we're hoping to get you know at least two to three hundred people. Where do you hold it? Um, so, you know, we're, we're still like, we, we just had our first event, um, last month mm-hmm. we had it at, uh, like treetop, uh, brewery, I think it was. Okay. And, um, you know, it was great. We hold like 60 people, but for this event, it's going to be more, uh, more educational. I mean, this guy's doing some, some really cool, exciting things. So we're going to have it at, um, uh, probably a big ballroom at a hotel or, you know, run out of place. Nice. So we're putting a lot of money into it. Um, we're flying this guy up out of our own pocket, and um, I, you know we're we're pretty excited because he's he's doing some like ninja stuff and he's doing nice. a high level. So that's the goal. I mean, we just want to bring. We obviously we'll bring local speakers. There's a lot of talent here. Uh huh. Um, but we also want to bring up people that are doing like really really high level stuff. And our goal, you know, Spokane and, like, the surrounding areas, it's always been a little bit behind in, like, real estate investment world. Yeah. And it's kind of catching up. But if you notice in, like, bigger markets, they have really, really dialed in, you know, meetups where people are actually sharing, like, really actually giving value. It's not just, like, just the newbies that show, but it's really high-level people that show up. And so we're trying to establish something like that where people that are actually doing deals – at a high level and then also newbies that want to learn where we can all come and share, you know, different strategies and, you know, basically just lift each other up because yeah. with this much competition, like you're not going to get around from it. Like there's tons of competition no matter right. what. So the best thing you can do is just collaborate and work together. Um, you know, we started doing that in the wholesaling business. Everybody's really acquisition heavy. We're also acquisition heavy, but we're also very disposition heavy. Mm-hmm. We have a killer disposition department, a killer TC, and so a lot of we do a lot of JV deals now. Yeah, so joint, get, joint venture deals. Joint venture, yeah. yeah. So we'll get we'll get new wholesalers, 
whether they're if they get deals and they ask us to sell their deals and we'll get very high level established wholesalers oh, okay. that either they, they have a deal that they can't sell and they'll bring it to us and you know most of the time we're, we're getting them sold mm-hmm. um, or a lot of you know we've also found that people just they want to just they don't want a huge team you know they want to do a couple a few deals a month make 40 50 grand a month and so they'll lock up the deals and they'll bring it to us to dispo and then we handle, you know, the TC, we handle the showings, we handle, we even if we have to get price reductions, you know, we'll deal with that. Yeah. So for us, like, we realize just collaborating with com- competitors, you know, you're going to go a lot farther than just trying to be closed off or, yeah. you know, not, not share any tips or values with people. I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, you know, if people didn't share with me. So um, that's, that's, that's kind of where we shifted our company. And then also with the mastermind, like, we just want to bring... You know everyone together and and, and bring Spokane up on um, in terms of you know the investment community. So nice. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate what you're doing. It's awesome. Yeah. Um. Are you going to live stream the event at all? Like on uh, Facebook. You know, I know it'll, we're going to have a videographer there. I don't know if it'll be live stream, but it'll be completely okay. recorded. Oh, okay. So we're right. still working out the details, but yeah. Just set up a camera and do the Facebook live thing Mate. through your investment group yeah page. There you go. yeah so we're working out don't the let details. me tell you what you do <laughs> <laughs> well you got you got an event you've been running for a while so you're you're probably more uh professional at it than us but we're well no there. we still suck at that that part like yeah. it, we only live stream it every other time just because of you know usually forget or get too involved but right we're we're dialing we're gonna get it dialed in yeah yeah <laughs> we're getting better yeah yeah, so we have some. I'm, I'm partnering with Josh Sayas. Sayas, I can never pronounce his last name, but he's also. Oh, okay, I've seen him. Yeah, he's doing some cool stuff in the investment community, and so we have a videographer. Um, we get it pretty pretty dialed in, and so I think it's going to be a really good event, especially this next one. So nice. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah, for Appreciate sure. It. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Awesome. We'll cool. see you around. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed Podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.